You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Gentlemen, welcome once again to the Packernet Podcast. I am your host and resident fanalist, as always, Ryan Schlipp. Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore daddy. So, I, I really don't even want to spend a lot of time talking about yesterday, even though that's exactly what today's supposed to be about. Um, I, I mean, I really should, because I'll probably regret it later, because I'm going to need as much content as possible in the coming weeks. But I mean, look, it, it's it's pretty simple to summarize, and I don't even want to spend a lot of time talking about it, because I think what I said earlier is kind of the, the main point here. And what I said before was, all this is, is information. That's it. Um, how the players play in the final game, which really I think, I shouldn't even say that. That's not fair. I, I, I don't want to bring this down on Philbin. It sounds like he did the best he could to try to get these guys motivated, but it didn't work. They weren't motivated. This 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 was in a year in which effort was really poor, this one really took the cake. I mean, it was just the worst. This is probably the first game and I, I know Blake Martinez has had bad games. This is the first game I watched Blake Martinez and said, dude, you are trash. That was so bad. I mean, I, I, you know, it, it, it's what I'm not gonna. I, I shouldn't even. If, I, whatever. I, I don't really want to single guys out. Maybe we'll work on that as time goes on. But um, I mean, it just it wasn't there, and I don't really even want to say that guys weren't putting in the effort. But there, there clearly just wasn't really much going into this game, and that's unfortunate because I, I spent the last day and a half ish talking on somewhat of an emotional level, and we saw the pregame photo of uh, Randall Cobb, it looks like he's crying, holding, you know, hugging Rodgers, and that's essentially what I was talking about. I mean, guys like that realize this is the last time, more than likely, they're going to be wearing the green and gold, and it, it should mean a lot, and it does mean a lot, but, you know, it's just one of those things where you just, you want to give it your all, but it just, it just wasn't there, and everybody kind of just knew deep down, and they tried to manufacture something that wasn't there. And that's all it was. You know, guys tried to give their all, but deep down, just it, it, it wasn't happening. And so we saw the same old nonsense. And I, listen, I stand by what I said yesterday, in which the Green Bay Packers have a better team than the Lions. I, I absolutely stand by that. This is the result of a team, though, you know, because th- there's there's different aspects to football. And talent is one of them, but... You know, you, you saw two different dynamics. You saw a, a Lions team that was motivated to win a game that didn't matter. They cared. That that fake... <laughs> the announcers were so bad. But that that fake... Uh, what was that? Fake field goal? Had to be. They're not punting from the 19-yard line. The fake field goal for a touchdown? The Lions treated this game like the Super Bowl. And... Um, they wanted to beat the Packers. They wanted to beat the Packers in December in Lambeau Field very badly. This is a young team with a new head coach who's trying to prove his worth and prove that he belongs, and he's going to pull out all the stops, and that was that. The Packers are a team that have essentially been packing up their stuff for the last, jeez, I don't know, month, 
month and a half. I mean, I've been talking about this for a while. Guys have just been packing up their stuff, right? Gutekunst has been shutting it down, right? The whole, you know, tie the shoelaces together and let them go and tank in the season and all that. I mean, it's just kind of been winding down for kind of a long time. And, you know, a passionate speech from Joe Philbin trying to get these guys motivated to go out and play was worth something. But I think for a lot of guys, this was just sort of a, a farewell tour. And a lot of other things were weighing on their minds. And as much as they would love to have played better and win this game, it's just, just this was just a, it's just kind of a goodbye game, I guess. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. Guys realize this isn't it. This isn't the game. This isn't where we make our stand and the whole, you know, I was talking to a friend of mine and um, <laughs> he was talking about how, you know, it's sort of unfortunate that this is how we carry on into next year. And I said, well, it's, you know, kind of a good thing that none of that's real anyways. Because it's not. None, none of this matters. I mean, it, it matters for emotional reasons and it's whatever, but this loss isn't going to hurt us in 2019 whatsoever. It's just not. It's unfortunate to see, but and I, I just, I, I don't put a lot of stock in any of this. The players that played poorly are better than this. I would have loved to see guys step up, but um, you know, you, you look at certain players like Blake Martinez, and I, you know, I don't know what his PFF grade is going to be. I don't know if I even want to look at it. I don't care. But I mean, this this was it was just a garbage game. I I can't even tell you how many times, and they they went throughout the game. Oh, 12 total missed tackles in the first half. 14, 17 missed tackles. It was it was just sloppy. It was, it was a team that just looked like they didn't care. They didn't want to be there. They wanted to wrap this up. And that's kind of what I've been saying all year. That That's just kind of where it's at. And when you have a team and leadership that are kind of treating it like, well, on to 2019, it's going to trickle down. And Philbin is, you know, God bless him for, for trying. But he knows he's out. The players know he's out. He's not going to be their coach in the future the players know that their GM and the leadership don't really care about this year. And, well, anyways. So, <laughs> with that in mind, we're not really going to talk about it. It is what it is. It was a terrible game. And, and I just want to throw one other thing out there because I'm I'm kind of concerned that maybe there's a narrative that's going to pop up. When, when certain people say that this was a terrible game, other people are going to point out, yeah, well, Rodgers went out, what do you expect? Don't, just... Don't go down that road, okay? Just don't. Now, if Rodgers played, we probably wouldn't have got shut out. But please remember that this game was right in the tank well before Rodgers went out. This game was over the second Rodgers took the field. And Rodgers is one of the players that I I believe wanted to play well and wanted to play strong and wanted a lot of things, but just couldn't really muster it, right? This was just wasn't that game. What up, dance party? Mmm. 4 a.m. dance party. What's up? I'm actually kind of upset. I woke up on my own at 2.30 in the morning, and I was like, you know what? Let's just start the day. It's 4 o'clock. I'm just getting started. I'm, I'm the worst with procrastinating. I mean, it, it was it was kind of... I did some stuff that matters. Granted, I took a half-hour break to listen to music and have a little mini dance party in the basement with my son sleeping on the couch, but, you know, whatever. I did some stuff. Don't worry about it. We'll talk about it. Get out of my face. But anyways, what I really want to focus on today, and the reason I put that big caveat in is because I'm assuming a lot of people are like, all right, let's talk about the game. 
And my whole attitude is, nah, we're not going to. But that's it. That's my seven minutes on the game. It was bad. That's not necessarily indicative of the players, the talent, even the coaching staff. I know Mike Pettin is basically on the chopping block for at least 50% of Packers fans. I'm not 100% on board, but as I said to um, some of the fine folks on Twitter, I'm kind of just indifferent to that issue. I actually do like Pettin. I think he helped this defense overachieve. But I also didn't really see a whole lot of uh, development. I didn't see a whole lot of guys playing better than you would expect. So as far as scheme, I think it was great, right? The amount of sacks, considering we had no edge rushers, although... Let's just let's just take a moment here to talk about Kyler Fackrell. I know we're talking about Petten. We'll get back to it. That man got double-digit sacks. Ten and a half, I believe, is the number. That's incredible. Essentially, Kyler Fackrell made a Devontae Adams-style leap, and we're all just kind of treating it like it's kind of a fluke. I'm not sure you can fluke ten and a half sacks in the NFL. I just don't think so. I mean, listen, if 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 we if it was just like he had that one good game where he got three sacks, we can call it a fluke. Um, maybe even the fact that he had two games with three sacks, it's kind of a fluke. Not really, but let's just play along here. So he just happened to have somebody's number. Now, granted, if it was just that simple where you go up against a terrible tackle and somebody that's garbage like, you know, 2016, 2017 Kyler Fackrell can get three sacks, you'd have pretty much every edge rusher in the NFL with 10 sacks. But let's leave that aside and let's say that those two games are flukes. Clay Matthews, who is supposedly our... Whatever, I'm not, I'm not going to trash Clay, but if we gifted him... Six flukish sacks. Let's just gift it to him. He would have ended the year with nine and a half. So even if we're calling those two games a fluke, which we can't really do, our our entire team still doesn't have ten sacks. Nick Perry had like two and a half for the year. One of them for sure was a fluke. I don't know where the other one and a half came from. But, I mean, it, it, it's kind of a big deal, I guess is what I'm saying. Kyler Fackrell has taken a step on a team that is desperate for edge rusher help. So I, I'm i kind of now just remembering that I said there wasn't any development on this team, and I, don't, I guess I don't know what I'm talking about because there's, there's been some major development here with Mr. Kyler Fackrell. Now, he's not without his deficiencies, and maybe that's why we're not treating it like Devontae Adams because being a receiver is, is kind of more one-dimensional. Your job is to run routes and catch footballs. An edge rusher, you you have to rush the passer. You have to sort of set the edge against the run, you know, shedding blocks and whatnot. You also have to drop into coverage. And I think we all kind of understand that as far as the the running game is concerned, Kyler Fackrell is not really the guy. But I I, I still think we should uh, kind of be excited about that. Because next year, whoever, and by the way, 12th overall pick is what we officially have. But whoever we end up getting in the first round, and I'm assuming with one of our two first-round picks, we will be getting an edge rusher, we've got a little bit of a pass rush presence. Like with actual pass rushers, not just like Pettin's dialing up stuff from the corner, or safety, or linebacker, or whatever. Let's just say, for the sake of argument, we get Josh Allen. Although it, yeah, I don't know. Whatever. We're not getting into that. We suddenly have Josh Allen on one side, who's a young guy with really talented athletic upside, 
And then we have a double-digit sack guy in Kyler Fackrell. That's kind of crazy. But anyways, <laughs> that, that needed something, because if there was a highlight in this game, it was the fact that Kyler Fackrell got double-digit sacks in this game, really capped off an amazing 2018 season. I, I really think, like, whether or not that's real makes a huge difference for this team, because we need that so desperately. If, if Kyler Fackrell is just a 10-sack guy... Even even if it's not ten, whatever. If if he's for, you know between eight and twelve in the rem- what am I doing over here, in the remainder of his career, he's a stud. Maybe he's just a pass rusher, but so what? That's so valuable. I don't care if he can play the run or not. It's kind of crazy. But anyways, that would be my one highlight. Also, his sack celebration is pretty awesome. The three kisses thing. It's, you know, listen. As lame as some of these celebrations are, that's kind of cool. Maybe it's just because I'm old and I'm a dad now that I appreciate that, but still. I mean, that it actually has significance. It's not just nonsense. Like these touchdown celebrations. Get out of my face. But anyways, we'll call that our one highlight. The game wasn't great. Mike Patton, we can have that conversation later. Today, what I'd like to talk about, 13 minutes in, is head coaches. It's what everybody's talking about. There's some buzzing news that I don't necessarily buy into, but it's, it's just it's kind of spreading like wildfire, and I also did receive a question um, via the Pack Daddy phone line, whatever, that's what I'm calling it now until I think of something cooler, 1-800-PACK-DADDY, it's too many letters, I don't know, 1-D, D-A-D-Y, don't actually call that though, that's not really my number, but that's, that's, that's where we're going to go today, because again, it's just, whatever, I, I don't care. It was garbage. It was a garbage season. And again, this is just information. We know where we draft. We kind of know who the players are, what the players are. We get to look at who kind of played tough throughout the season, who didn't. We got injury information to look into. A lot of information, but I'm just treating it as information. I'm not worried about it beyond that. But before we dive into the coaching situation and uh, the question du jour, y'all didn't think I knew Japanese, did you? <laughs> Yeah, I know some stuff. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy if you'd like to support the podcast. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help me to, I don't know, I mean, my daughter broke my headphones. I had to buy a new pair of headphones that could help me with that kind of stuff. Seriously, though, how does a two-year-old just break everything in sight? She, she's a psychopath. I, I need help. I'm kind of scared for my life. Ever since she was little. you know, You know those cardboard books? They make them cardboard because, you know, kids rip pages and stuff. Since she was like one, she started snapping them in half, bending them the wrong way. Just breaking them. Breaking the cardboard books. She came downstairs, found my headphones, wanted to put them on her head, and I was like, oh, that's kind of cute. Snapped them right in her hands. I mean, this, this, I mean, it's, it's not cheap. I mean, it's kind of hard plastic. She bent it the wrong way with her... Popeye forearms and snapped my headphones. So, I got them... (laughs) They were broken when I got them to begin with. Now they're super broke, so I got them, like, taped up with scotch tape. Anyways, that's the kind of stuff you can help me with, I guess. I also do subscribe to some uh, premium things, as you know, Pro Football Focus and a few others. I'm also looking at uh, over-the-cap... It's not super expensive, but I'm looking to buy into that because I want to get some of their premium stuff because I want to get more in-depth 
into that kind of stuff. Salary cap is kind of a big deal in the off season. I need all the resources I can get. So anyways, looking into that kind of stuff. And again, a buck a month is $12 a year. I think it's 20 bucks for the over the cap yearly thing. So you'd be paying for like half of it if you did the buck a month. And that would be awesome and greatly appreciated. Otherwise, Packernet.com for all your news, notes, and information regarding the Green Bay Packers. It's kind of how I start my day. Before I start the podcast, I just shoot over to Packernet, see what the latest is. It's also why I listen to the first five minutes of basically one of two podcasts, because there's only two podcasts that are going to be up when I get up at uh, 3 o'clock in the morning. There's the Power Sweep thing, Blue 58, whatever, I don't even know the name of the podcast, they have like seven names. But there's John Meerdink, and then there's uh, Bukowski. So I listen to five minutes of whichever one of those two is on the top of my list, and then I check out Packernet, just to make sure I'm not missing anything. I kind of have a general idea where I want to go, but I don't want to go in the wrong direction for an hour because I missed, like, the big news of the day. So it's a very, very good resource just to make sure you're up on the latest news. Be sure to get into the Facebook group, otherwise NFLBigBoard.com, very similar to Packernet. It's an aggregation. You get the latest and greatest of kind of kind of where where everybody's at. Because you can go to a bunch of different websites. you got Walter Football, you got Draft Tech, you got CBS, you got all these different places who have their own big boards. But there's no real consensus, right? The draft network really likes the wide receivers, and Walter really likes some of these edge rushers, whatever it might be. But you kind of go out like I do, and you get 35 different big boards, and you aggregate it together, and you kind of see where everybody's at. It gives you sort of this unbiased kind of thing, where it's, you know, you might go into it, I mean, Walter Football, Walter Cherapinski, whatever, he's got a guy fifth overall that some people don't even have on their top 25, 30, 50 boards. So you might go into it thinking like, yeah, this guy's a stud. Obviously, he's going to get drafted, but nobody else is talking about him. So don't be the guy that just assumes this guy's a stud and everybody laughs at you because you put him in a mock draft. And it's like, that guy's a fourth-round pick. What are you talking about? Be sure you do the right thing. Go to NFLBigBoard.com to get the most accurate, up-to-date, consensus board. Pretty much the only one you're ever going to find anywhere because um, it's just what I do, man. Like I said, when I do stuff, I do it right. And I, uh, I did that right. So anyways, let's talk head coach because there's a lot of, lot of buzz going on. First of all, I want to start with a question from Doug. It's kind of a several-part question, but we'll just take it all as one whole. Um, the initial question was, if Aaron Rodgers could pick any head coach anywhere, I guess we'll say anytime, but whatever, we won't go that route. And he didn't say that. But if he could have any coach, who would it be? He goes on to say he believes that it would be Bill Belichick and then goes on to say, tell me why that's impossible. So who would he pick? Is it Bill Belichick? Why couldn't this happen? Sort of the three-part question here. Obviously, I don't know, but I'm fine agreeing with you, Doug, on that. I I think if if Aaron Rodgers could pick, I mean, he, he goes on to say that he really believes that these two guys have a lot of reverence for each other, and I think that's true. I think Aaron Rodgers knows definitively that Bill Belichick is as good as it gets. And I really think Bill Belichick realizes that Aaron Rodgers might be about as good as it gets. Right? There was that that moment when they kind of said, you're the best, no, you're the best, whatever. I suppose you could make a case where it would kind of make sense. The Packers need a new head coach. The, uh, you know, the, the, the whole Patriots thing is kind of winding down. And I, maybe you could get me to buy into it if I knew definitively that Tom Brady was retiring. But he's not retiring. 
And I think ultimately, with as far as Bill Belichick is concerned, I think there's sort of a comfort level. You know, I'm, you could definitely make an argument that, like, there's a new exciting venture, right? To really prove your worth, you go to Green Bay and you make the Packers a, a Super Bowl contender. But really, at his age, does he really seem like the kind of guy that needs to prove something to people? I don't think so. I think his career is winding down. I think he's very comfortable with his life. I think Tom Brady, he and Tom Brady are going to continue to win. Um, and then when it's over, it's over. And I would be willing to bet that after this career with the Patriots is done, Bill Belichick is going to retire, and he's going to retire as one of the greatest coaches of all time, if not the greatest coach of all time. And I don't think it's really necessary to try to make a switch. And beyond that, I think the biggest thing is timing. Again, I, I don't think even if Bill Belichick does move on from the Patriots, it's not going to be after this year. And um, I, I kind of believe that uh, the Packers are going to have something locked up long before Bill, Bel- Bill Belichick moves on from the Patriots, and I'm talking years of difference. So I will definitely agree that um, if, if we could just create something or, or get into Roger's head and Bill Belichick's head and just say, you can be anywhere, where would you want to be? Or, you know, Rogers, who, who would you want your coach to be that it would be Bill Belichick? I don't doubt that. Would Bill Belichick really want to move to Green Bay? I don't think so, man. I mean, and beyond that, it's, you know, it, he's got a life out there. You know, he's got a family. He's got a home. He's, he, he knows Boston, and, and he's got the connections, and he, he has a, a comfortable gig as not just the coach but the GM, which is another pretty big thing. I mean, he'd be essentially getting a downgrade because he's coach-slash-GM for one of the greatest franchises in history – he has an owner, Robert Kraft, who is, I mean, Kraft is just living it up, man. He just takes all the money, and he's drinking a lot of cocktails, and he's letting Bill Belichick get the guy filthy rich. Um, but, I mean, we, we would almost have to fire Gutekunst and say, come over here and be our coach and GM to get him to even flinch at the idea. And even then, why? Why? To, to rebuild everything? to start from scratch for, for the opportunity to maybe go back to, to being, you know, I mean, if things don't work out, you, you're going to tarnish your reputation, and that's kind of the biggest the biggest problem. And I, I think you're right that Aaron Rodgers would take Bill Belichick. I don't think, even though I know Bill Belichick has a huge amount of respect and would have loved to have played with or coached Aaron Rodgers, if you gave him the opportunity, even if, you know, I think even if you took the Patriots job away from him, say he got fired today, I'm, I, I don't know that he wouldn't just retire. I could be wrong. Maybe he'd take the Packers job, but I, I feel like the right move for him would be to retire and to retire as the greatest coach to ever play this game. So I, I do think it's a good question as far as, you know, a thought experiment. But is there any actual realistic opportunity? No, I don't think so. And he also asks, you know, considering that uh, Bill Belichick is kind of at the end of his tenure, it might make sense for the Patriots to make a move at coach. Rather than let McDaniels leave, how about we how about we retain him by giving him the head coaching job? You know, th- that would really be the only way this could work, is if the Patriots decide, you know what, we're about to lose a really, really, really good coach, and we know Bill Belichick's about to retire soon anyways. Let's just fire him, hire McDaniels, Bill Belichick's like, whatever, I'll show you, goes to Green Bay, coaches Rodgers, wins a bunch of Super Bowls, and says, ha-ha, it was never Brady, it was never Kraft, it was never any of you guys, it was me. But, um, you know, I mean, we're 
we're way down the rabbit hole here, <laughs> to say the least. But again, as, as a thought experiment, it, it definitely, um, it's fun to think about for sure. And it raises a lot of questions. I, th- I think the initial question is kind of an important one moving forward. Who would Rodgers pick to be his next head coach? And to be honest, I'd love to get an answer from Aaron Rodgers to figure that out. I mean, an honest one, not a, 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 a filtered media response. I'd love to know what kind of a person he's looking for. But um, we'll, we'll dive into that a little bit. There, there's some rumors, and we'll, we'll talk about it, that I keep doing that. If I do that one more time, I'm going to smack myself in the head. I'm playing with dishes. I don't know why I'm doing that. I have a free hand. That's what happens when you have a free hand and nothing to do with it. Start fiddling with stuff. I'm basically a child. But, Doug, thanks a lot, man. Appreciate the call. I hope that somewhat answered your question. And we're definitely going to be looking at the question of who would be best for Rodgers. I think it's a really good question. I think we should try to kind of clean the slate a little bit. And, uh, anyways, we're going to do that today. I don't want to elaborate too much. The other two big pieces of news, one of them is big because it exploded everywhere. The other one is big because it's actually kind of big to me. In other words, there's a big one that exploded that I think is nothing, and then there's something that I heard that was kind of like, wait, what? What did you say? That I haven't seen everywhere else, but um, I think that one is actually very interesting. We'll start with the big news that is not very interesting, and that is the idea that we're targeting Pat Fitzgerald, the college coach for Northwestern. Now, this is one of those situations where somebody in the media, in this case Ian Rappaport, makes a statement. Everybody interprets it a certain way. It blows up, and I'm looking at the original statement, and I'm saying, I don't know that you guys understand. Maybe I'm misunderstanding, but I feel like I'm not. Let me just read you the tiny blurb that has caused absolute just wakes throughout Twitterverse. Interim coach Joe Philbin will receive a head coach interview, but it would be a surprise if he received a full-time job. Instead, expect the Packers to conduct a wide-ranging search with perhaps 10 to 12 candidates, then bring in three or so for final interviews. One coach they are expected to target is Northwestern coach Pat Fitzgerald, sources say. Packers CEO Mark Murphy actually hired Fitzgerald when Murphy was AD at Northwestern. While Fitzgerald has shut down countless interview requests from the NFL in the past with a good sales pitch, this one may work. Josh McDaniels, who has already built a relationship with GM Brian Gutekunst and is open to the right job, would be another possible candidate here. So, let me explain to you what I'm understanding. It sounds to me that Ian Rappaport is hearing that people close to the organization are expecting the Packers to reach out to Pat Fitzgerald. Why? Because there's a connection. So everybody understands that there's a connection between Gutekunst and Fitzgerald. I'm sorry, Mark Murphy and Fitzgerald. So because of that, people expect him to want to reach out to Fitzgerald. But nobody has actually said that Fitzgerald is somebody the Packers want, that Mark Murphy really wants him to be the next head coach and is going to to reach out. Nobody has said that. Maybe that's what he meant, but nobody said it. And then from there, you have a billion articles saying the Packers are targeting Fitzgerald to be the next head coach. He's the leading candidate. He's the guy they want. Nobody has said that. It's just expected because it's, it's, we found a connection here that kind of makes sense. We think it would be a good fit, so we think it, he'll probably call him, but we don't know. We haven't heard that from anybody. Again, one coach they are expected to target is Northwestern coach Pat Fitzgerald, sources say. 
Why? Well, read the next sentence. CEO Mark Murphy hired Fitzgerald when Murphy was the AD at Northwestern. That's why it's being assumed that they will. So, I mean, I, I wouldn't doubt that they do, because, again, what is the first sentence, or second, or whatever? Packers to conduct a wide-ranging search with perhaps 10 to 12 candidates. If you're going to cast a wide net, yeah, I would assume he's going to be in that net. But that's all we're saying. We're saying it's a wide net. Here's a talented guy who's had some success, may be open to a head coaching job. So it seems to be a good fit. Therefore, we expect this to be someone that they call. This is one of the guys we think they're going to call, but we don't actually know. This is not coming from Murphy or Gutekunst or anybody from the organization. Again, for the last time, sources are saying this is an expectation based on a connection. This is not sources saying they have first-hand information that this is somebody they're targeting. Nobody has said that, so we need to kind of just slow down a little bit and understand what was actually said. Now, with that said, I decided I kind of want to see what this offense is all about. Well, before we get there, let me just give you some examples of how people have twisted what I read. Here is the Lombardi Avenue article. It's been reported by Ian Rappaport of NFL Network that the Green Bay Packers have heavy interest in interviewing Fitzgerald once Northwestern has played in their New Year's Eve bowl game. Now, maybe he made a statement somewhere else, but I didn't read that anywhere. Did you hear me say that? Because I don't remember saying that. I read it like five times. I'm pretty sure I didn't say that. The Green Bay Packers have heavy interest in interviewing Fitzgerald? Is that what somebody said? But whatever. I just wanted to, I guess, clarify that. But it doesn't matter because ultimately I would be willing to bet money the Packers are going to reach out to Fitzgerald for all the reasons that everybody has said. With that said, I had a thought. And I thought, you know what? This uh, offense is considered, quote-unquote, high-octane, right? This is the college offense kind of thing. And this is sort of the... um, you know, when certain people want a offensive-minded person who has the sort of modern, I don't want to say modern NFL because it's kind of college, but it is. It's modern NFL offense, the Bears, the Rams, the whatever. This is kind of the guy. But I said, I, I don't really know. I don't really watch Northwestern. I kind of want to go see what they do. So you know what I did? I went over to NFL Big Board. I typed in Northwestern under school because, you know, we can sort stuff. It's kind of cool like that. There's three prospects. At number 167 is Mr. Patty Fisher at linebacker. 229, which is relatively not draftable, cornerback Montre Hartage. But at 187, there's a quarterback by the name of Clayton Thorson. You maybe heard of the guy. So what I did, I clicked on film, went and watched a couple videos of Clayton Thorson. And the reason I wanted to watch Clayton is because pretty much every passing play is going to be on film because... (laughs) He's the quarterback, so it made sense. So if you want to get an idea of what Northwestern does on offense and what the Green Bay Packers could look like in 2019, go to NFLBigBoard.com and either, you know, you can sort by quarterback, you can type in Clayton, you can do whatever you want. Find Clayton Thorson. He's number 187 currently. Plan on doing an update soon, so don't bank on that being the case. But just go watch some of the film. And to be completely honest, I really, really like it. It's not overly complex. It's not super crazy nonsense. A lot of it looks like pretty run-of-the-mill NFL-style offense. But with just a couple little wrinkles, it actually really does remind me of the Chicago Bears offense. It reminds me of a Matt Nagy system. It's really scheme-dependent. Clayton Thorson is not an overly talented quarterback. That's my 
sort of, you know, non-professional opinion. His, his throws are, are mediocre, but it doesn't matter because it works because Northwestern utilizes little tiny things to make sure that there's a guy open. And usually what they like to do is short to intermediate passes, and they play intelligent football as opposed to, you know, just beat the guy across from you football like the Green Bay Packers like to do. So the kind of things you're going to see are, you know, a little bit of motion. You're going to see short passes, a lot of checkdowns. You're going to see bunch formations. And most of the passes are either going to go to, you know, the, the fullback, the running back that are kind of running these little tiny hitch routes. You know, the, the checkdown options. You know, the, the, the screens, the wide receiver screens that the Packers have done for kind of a long time, that's somewhat of a staple. Um, throw into the running back out of the backfield. But then you kind of set up that deep shot. Occasionally you're going to you're gonna dial it up. And, and, and that's kind of always available, right? You're running several different routes on every single play. And even though your, your emphasis on just keep it simple, move the sticks kind of offense, which to be completely honest, it's kind of funny because as much as offense is becoming more and more and more prevalent, it's kind of funny that the way offenses succeed today seems to be this sort of short pass offense. And you see the deep shots and the highlights from from uh, from Pat Mahomes and whatnot. But but even that is, you know, they, they play smart football, and occasionally you're going to get that shot. And the, the cool thing is, as I'm watching this, and I really would encourage you to do this, go check out, I mean, you can use NFLBigBoard.com, or you can just go to YouTube, type in Clayton Thorson verse, and you're going to get the same results. But go check it out, and just as you're watching, think, what would happen if this was Aaron Rodgers? Imagine this system. And imagine a quarterback that utilizes the checkdowns, but when he actually goes for the deep shot, it's an accurate ball, <laughs> as opposed to what we're seeing with Clayton Thorson. I, I, I really liked it. And I do think that that's modern NFL. I think what we see from the Patriots, what we see from the Bears, it's just, you know, old school. It, it's so weird because it seems so counterintuitive. You know, the the West Coast system, the, this this sort of, you know, air raid or, or whatever offense that just is looking always for the deep shot, as much as that seems like what modern NFL, which is all offense, would look like, it's not. Modern offenses, the ones that succeed, are close to the line of scrimmage. It's just, it's it's a frustrating offense. You saw Tom Brady actually doing it first, even though that's not really a college offense, but it's sort of, he's the one, and, and Belichick and, and the Patriots are the ones that really first kind of showed us what it's like to just play a really frustrating offense. It's not it's not always the deep shot. It's just the fact that they just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. And then you get a intelligent, accurate passer like Brady. Oh my goodness. It's it's unstoppable. And that's and the and the great thing about that is that Brady never has needed really good wide receivers. They have the scheme, they have the intelligent quarterback, the accurate passes, along with the guys that they've got, whether it's really good receivers, tight ends, whatever, or not so much, but it's still going to work because it's simplistic. On first down, you throw a a pass to your running back and get five yards. Right, Second and five is awesome. The next play, you throw for five more yards, it's a first down. The Packers are so obsessed with the deep throw all the time because Mike McCarthy is a West Coast offense guy. And the fact of the matter is West Coast offense is kind of yesterday. Defenses are figuring it out. Offenses are moving on to the new thing. And the new thing is close to the line of scrimmage. Listen, we're going to talk about it, I believe, this week. 
I'm going to do some comps. One of the cool things that I've done this week is looked at all the playoff contenders and found comparisons to past Super Bowl winners. As I did this project, I found out that Mitch Trubisky, according to Pro Football Focus, would be the absolute worst quarterback to win a Super Bowl going as far back as PFF can go, which is, I believe, I want to say like 2006. So I'm sure there's been terrible quarterbacks worse than Trubisky that have won, but you got to understand, we're including Peyton Manning in this. Mitch Trubisky is currently graded worse than Peyton Manning was when he won a Super Bowl. But that offense looks good. The offense is better than the Broncos' offense was when they won a Super Bowl because Matt Nagy has the current modern NFL offense. And being modern and being up-to-date and understanding that kind of stuff is what's really important. And I see that in Northwestern. Again, it's not... It's not overly flashy. It's not super crazy college stuff like Chip Kelly type stuff. It's just simple little stuff. It, it, it really, I, I really want you to do this. I'm telling you. you I'm, I'm commanding you with no authority, but I hope you'll listen. If you get a minute, just go to YouTube or NFL Big Board. I'll make it easy for you. Whatever. Check out Clayton Thorson, or if you want to just try to YouTube Northwestern verse, whatever. But Clayton Thorson would make sense because you get to see their passing offense and you get to see kind of how that offensive system works. And it's not super crazy. And I'm, I'm actually kind of scared of super... I don't want college, but I want modern NFL. And I really do think that's what Northwestern is. It's not overly complex. It's not overly goofy. It's not Chip Kelly-esque where it's like, you know, quarterback keepers all the time and all this goofy nonsense. It's just utilizing stuff like Matt Nagy and, and uh, Andy Reid and, and, uh, and you know, the Rams and, and these kind of offenses utilize. With the motion, the, the close to the line of scrimmage, that just move the sticks, uh, bunch formation type stuff. That, that's exactly what Northwestern runs. So I guess what I'm saying is I actually like that. I really like that. Now, now there's a lot of checkboxes we talked about, you know, motivation. All that kind of stuff. Is, is he that kind of a guy? Is he a leader? Is he a motivator? Is he that kind of guy? I don't know. But as far as offensive scheme, I like it a lot. And again, I would encourage you to check it out and let me know your feedback. But I mean, it, it looks, it just feels like the Bears. I, I felt like when I was watching them, I was watching the Bears. It's a, a subpar quarterback playing in a very, I, I don't even want to say it's very complicated or impressive offense. It's just, it's kind of simplistic. And that's kind of the way the NFL is going. It's, it's simplifying offenses in a way that makes it just, it's easy. And that's, that's kind of cool, but horrible at the same time in a way. Because it, it takes away that need for a elite quarterback. And the reason that's horrible is because we have the elite quarterback. That's why the Packers have been perennial playoff contenders year after year after year. Because you had to have that elite quarterback. And now I don't know that you do. And I think that's good for the NFL overall, getting into philosophy here a little more than I should. But as a Packers fan with Aaron Rodgers, I kind of like, as long as we have Aaron Rodgers, I'd like to have the NFL where you need to have an elite quarterback. But bottom line is, I like this. I really do. There was one other question I had, though, and that is, would Aaron Rodgers like this? And my initial thought was, and I believe I've mentioned this in the past, my initial thought on this was, Aaron Rodgers has talked about wanting to throw deep. He is, at his core, a West Coast guy. You know, 
when all the Packers fans, when you and I were, were sitting there saying, would you please just throw to your check down, stop throwing it deep every single play, he goes on and does a press conference and says, you know what the problem with our team is? We're not hitting the deep plays anymore. Here's my thought, though. I believe that Mike McCarthy, as a West Coast guy, was the guy that was generating the statistics. He was generating the philosophy, and, and they're correct. The success the Packers had in the past revolved around their ability to to hit those deep shots, and they can't do it anymore. And a lot of that probably has to do with the lack of talent at wide receiver, blah, 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 blah. The question I have, though, and I think it's a pivotal question because I do think this is where the Green Bay Packers need to go. We need to be a modern team on defense, on offense, etc. If Petten is modern, let's keep him. If he's not, I don't even care. <clears throat> we need guys, we'll, we'll add this to the checkbox, we need guys that are willing to adapt to what is going on today. And I mean, this is a this is a broader thing than just football. But in general, we need to be people that embrace the future. And this is something because I'm I'm kind of an old school curmudgeon kind of guy at heart. If I'm going to succeed with this podcast, if I'm going to succeed with my YouTube channel, I have to embrace what's coming. I have to embrace technology. I have to embrace what's going on because I have to stay ahead of the pack, or I'm going to fail. It's the exact same with the Packers. We need coaches that not only can can run a modern NFL offense, but in 2020, 2021, when NFL offenses morph and adapt again to something new, can we find a guy that can be at the forefront of that, as opposed to a guy who's you know, secondarily kind of just following along, or even worse, a guy like Mike McCarthy that says, no, nah, I like what I do. Like, I've got my thing. I'm a West Coast guy. This is what I do. Like Dom Capers, right? Dom Capers ran an antiquated system, and that system was unbelievably, unstoppably just brilliant in its day. But he tried to run that stuff in 2016, and it's like, this isn't going to work, man. This is this is not, this isn't how it works. But But again, getting back to the point, the question is, can Aaron Rodgers embrace this? And I think so. I, again, I think Aaron Rodgers was meeting with our coaches, and our coaches were West Coast offense guys, and they understood in the system they needed to hit the deep shot. They understood. Aaron Rodgers, being a very, very intelligent person, understood if the system that we currently employ is going to work, we've got to be able to throw the ball deep. However... I believe and I really hope that he's also the kind of guy that can realize if we get a new system that employs a new philosophy that says we don't need to go deep all the time, we can play close to the line of scrimmage and we can be a frustrating offense. We can be basically like Tom Brady. And again, he has massive respect for Belichick, but he also has massive respect for Brady. And this is what Brady does. And I think if we get a coach that comes in and says, you know, we want to be more like what what the Patriots do and what your buddy Tom Brady does. We 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 don't we want to get away from the West Coast. We want to be modern, and 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 to really challenge Aaron Rodgers to be a different kind of quarterback. I really think he'll do it. I hope if if he doesn't, we're kind of doomed because if Aaron Rodgers is basically stuck in West Coast and he says, "Look, this is the one thing I'm good at, and I need a guy that's gonna gonna employ a West Coast." you know, I don't know, all go <laughs> kind of offense and I need my Hail Marys and I need my highlights and all that stuff, we're in trouble. But I, I don't necessarily know that that's the case. I, th- I think that he understood that based on 2018 and Mike McCarthy and the offense that Philbin and McCarthy wanted, they needed to do a certain thing and that certain thing wasn't going to work. But 
can he, will he be willing to change? I really think he will, and I really hope he will. And I, I, I think there might need to be – that's where leadership comes in because you're a new coach, and listen, Rodgers has more money than you. He's, he, has, he's, he has a better reputation than you. He's higher than you. However, you got to be able to sell him. Sell him on the fact that you belong here. Sell him on the fact that you have something to offer him, but not only that, that you can challenge him to be a better quarterback, to elevate his game, to take this offense to new heights, and, and to also sell him on the fact that, listen, we look at this offense and we say there's deficiencies. There's deficiencies at the offensive line. There's deficiencies at wide receiver, and we can disagree on the... My son is waking up. <laughs> if you were wondering what that noise was. Uh, we can disagree on the um, magnitude of the, the f- deficiencies. Some people think we have great wide receivers. Some think we have trash, whatever. I did it again. I'm just going to punch myself right in the throat. But the point is, with this kind of an offense, I, I re- the thing I really like about it is that it simplifies things, but it also kind of utilizes... How, how do I say this? <clears throat> Guys like Marquez who maybe, they're not like, he, he's the exact opposite of Devontae. Devontae is your every-down guy. Devontae is the guy that's going to win every single route. He's going to win every single snap. Marquez is the opposite. He's the guy that we see every single week, but only once or twice, just completely blow a guy out of the water. He is a fantastic weapon. Forget West Coast. He makes sense in West Coast where you look at it and go, yeah, he's going to win the deep routes and all that kind of stuff. He can kind of run the Geordie, the deep post, whatever. But imagine an offense where primarily you're running, and, and Marquez can operate in this as well, right? If he runs a simple hitch route, uh, uh, you know, a corner route, whatever. I mean, these are simplistic routes, and he can do it, and he can win. But imagine on occasion, as we're, we're playing this ticky-tack close to the line of scrimmage offense, which forces the defense, all right, we're, we're eliminating safeties, essentially, right? If, if you want to play single high safety, which is a very valuable position, that's great. Problem is... We're not even playing near you. So you're standing in the back, you know, 20 yards back doing nothing, just twiddling your thumbs because we're throwing four yards down down the field to a guy who ends up picking up another three yards, and now it's second and three. And that's just that's just a standard first down play for us. Now we can run, we can pat, we can do whatever we want at this point. But then you force the defense to play close to the line of scrimmage, and then a guy like Marquez can thrive in a system like that. And, and EQ can as well. Equinemius... He's not only big, he's fast, but he's he, he can play, you know, kind of as a slot guy. He's he's kind of reminds me of Geronimo, which somebody said that on Twitter and it was funny because it's like I feel like I <laughs> I don't feel like I know for a fact I said that prior to the season starting. But um it's good to see Packers Twitter and these uh very talented Packers folks finally realizing what I learned um, you know, in August. <sighs> I'm sorry. I sometimes I brag, man. I can't help it. But just imagine a system for EQ where he's in the slot and he can just pick people apart, right? His job is to just eat up between zero yards and, I don't know, six yards. He would just dominate. What are you going to do? He's too big for your slot receiver. He's too fast for your linebacker. He's a great player. If if the question, if, if the design of the offense is get the ball out quick, and you know what else that does? It mitigates the issues we have with the offensive line. The offensive line problems are really exasperated when you have to take a, you know, when you have to hold the ball for six seconds and hope that guys can run deep and then they can't get open and then they have to try to scramble and do the whole scramble drill. We need to start from scratch. And this new 
modern NFL offense that we absolutely need. Whether it's whether whether it's the Northwestern guy or whoever, we I, I I just as I'm looking at it and I'm thinking through it, it's like man, that could turn this offense that just can't make it work into a really good offense. Again, offensive line, we we already have incredible tackles. We have a really good center. Our left guard is is decent enough. We need a new right guard. Whatever. But imagine a system in which it really doesn't matter because the ball's coming out in two seconds, on a, on a standard play. Because it's not just we want to go deep, and if I have to, final hit the checkdown, but that's a failure. The checkdown is kind of the primary, right? The screen, the, the 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 whatever, the slant. And I remember when the Packers were a really good offense, they'd hit that slant, and it was it was an easy eight yard pickup. We need to get that back. And I, I really feel like modern NFL offenses are the way to do that. And I understand there's hesitation. Will Rogers kind of come around to that? I I guess I don't know. But I really think he will, and I, I think a lot of the hesitation in him being the way that he was is really just understanding, again, the offense we're in, this is what we need, this is the, this is the expectation, these are the, these are the numbers we're trying to hit, whatever. But if a new coach comes in with a new game plan and a new batch of numbers, we can see a different offense, and I think it can transform this team to new heights. Now, the defense is, is a separate question, um, whatever, but, but I... I I don't know. I, I really think this team can. Um, I, imagine the Bears' offense with Devonte Adams and Aaron Rodgers. Put it that way. Unbelievable. I mean, what we're seeing with the Chiefs, Pat Mahomes is basically doing an Aaron Rodgers impression. It's not out of the realm of possibility that the Packers look a lot like the Chiefs in 2019 if we just change the system a bit. They don't really have Tariq Hill, but they kind of do. But they've got the speed guy. They also, again, have Devontae Adams, who's a better just pure receiver than what the Chiefs have. So, all that to say, I am a little bit more excited. I was hesitant because I'm concerned about Aaron Rodgers and his stubbornness, but I don't I don't know that he's being stubborn. And I don't know that he's going to completely shut down if things change. I hope he doesn't. If he does, again, we're kind of doomed. Like, if he demands a West Coast offense or nothing, we're doomed. Because West Coast isn't going to work. We're going to see 2018 repeat itself in 2019. However, give this team a Bears offense. And again, go watch Northwestern. That is a Chicago Bears offense. It's the exact same thing, in my opinion. Run that in Green Bay, where where you replace the talent of the Chicago Bears offense with the talent of the Green Bay Packers offense. And it, you, know, you know what's kind of cool, too? <laughs> I was talking to uh, a friend of mine who's a Bears fan, and um, I was saying it's kind of unfortunate that the Packers are so bad because it would be kind of cool to see that whole Packers-Bears rivalry rise up again. That can happen in 2019. Chicago Bears, Monsters of the Midway, defensive team, Green Bay Packers, offensive dominance, right? Can you imagine, say, week six, whatever it is. I'm, I'm assuming the Packers and Bears will play each other sooner than that. But let's just say week six, got the 6-0 and Bears and the 6-0 and Packers, offense versus defense. How exciting that's going to be. And it, it really doesn't take all that much. I know things look horrible, but a lot of this is just, it's just really bad. I don't even want to say play design. I mean, it, it's kind of the same stuff. The point is, though, the NFL caught up. The NFL caught up to West Coast. Defense has figured it out. It's too simplistic. It's too boring. It's too too basic. And it, it relies on, on talent winning, and the Packers don't have the talent. But 
the Bears have much less talent than the Packers have, and they're making that work. Their offense is better than the Packers' offense. You know why? Because they employ a scheme that works. And again, for the 19th time, I keep saying it, I apologize, but I want you to get this in your head. Take the Bears' team, replace it with the Packers' players. Oh, oh, that offense. Oh, my goodness. And then we can have a separate conversation about the defense. Do we want Petten? What happens if Petten gets, if he comes back and we get our players back, we get Mike Daniels back, and we get uh, we get Kenny Clark back, and, and we've got Kevin King back, and we've got all these pieces back. I mean, you tell me. Am, am I crazy for thinking the Packers are a playoff team if we get healthy and we have a, a Chicago Bears, Northwestern-style offense? I don't think that's crazy. I really don't. So again, I'm I'm not necessarily banging the drum for Pat Fitzgerald, although I do like this scheme, um, because there's there's multiple check boxes as I've said, and and scheme is just one of them. There's also the leadership and all the other stuff. But if I was told today Pat Fitzgerald is getting the job, I think I would be a little bit excited. Now, with that said, there was another bit of news that I want to discuss. This comes compliments of Zachary Jacobson on the Twitters. I don't exactly know who his source is, but I don't have any reason to believe that he would be dishonest. He seems to be a pretty uh, solid guy as far as, you know, being a Packers guy and whatnot. Here is what he tweeted out if you didn't see it. Spoke to a source close to the Packers organization tonight who told me that Josh McDaniels is currently the one clear-cut leading candidate to be the team's next head coach and could have a deal in place as early as within the next two weeks. Now that's the kind of definitive stuff that I'm talking about. right? Pat Fitzgerald, if you listen to what was said, is they're expected to reach out to him. Okay, cool, I guess. Right? They're expected to reach out because there's connections. This is very different. This is somebody saying, and again, I I don't know because we're talking about, it's kind of like the whole telephone thing. Zach is referring to a source who's referring to, I don't know, right? For all I know, his source is somebody's cousin who is friends with Aaron Rodgers, who is talking, you know, whatever. But this is the kind of stuff that actually has some meat on the bones. Now, if it doesn't happen, it's good to know. Maybe don't pay so much attention to Zach's sources, but... We're going to take it at face value that he he has a legitimate source. And, I mean, this is this is kind of it, right? Not only do the Packers really want Josh McDaniels, but he's going out to say they could have a, a deal in place as early as in the, within the next two weeks. That's kind of crazy. And as far as my opinion on it, I haven't really given my opinion on Josh McDaniels. I know some people are really in favor. Most people are very against it. <sighs> Look, I mean, what I refer to is the desire to run a system similar to the Bears, but I also said the team to kind of do it first, even though it's not as kind of creative, is the Patriots, and that's that sort of philosophy that let's just move the sticks. Let's not be this dominant team that's always looking to just get 45, 50 points in a game. Let's just be a frustrating offense, an offense that just keeps coming and coming and coming, that you can never count out. That was the Patriots. They're the first ones to do that. So, you know, I, I, I still don't really have an opinion on him. Um, it's a complex question because you've got Tom Brady and his abilities. You have Bill Belichick and his abilities. You have uh, Josh McDaniels and his 
you know, the fact that he wasn't a great head coach when he was a head coach prior, you know, he had his issues with bailing on other teams. You have concerns about is he and Rodgers going to get along. But, you know, I, I, I don't know. Strip all that away. Do you want to see Aaron Rodgers run a Patriots offense? I would say yes. Can McDa- McDaniels bring that here? I would assume yes. And and you have the – listen – Here's the other thing that that maybe is the biggest indication that McDaniels is the real deal. When um, the reason McDaniels left the Colts job is because the Patriots reached out and offered him a sweeter deal, like at, at you know at, at the twelfth hour. That tells me, listen, if it's all Bill Belichick and, and McDaniels isn't doing anything and they can replace him easily, they let him walk. They refused to let him go, and after he already accepted a job, they reached out to him and offered him a really, really awesome contract and a really good deal in order to retain him. That kind of tells me a lot. right? This is an organization that does not care. This is a business. This is not the Green Bay Packers and Mike McCarthy hiring his friends and refusing to fire people that are trash. This is Bill Belichick and Robert Kraft. These guys are as cold as ice, and if, if, if you know McDaniels is a joke... They're just going to let him walk. They could not care any less. The fact that they saw him take a job and said, I don't care what it takes, we need him back. We absolutely need this guy for our offense. That's pretty big. Because if it's just Tom Brady and if it's just Bill Belichick, why in the world are they doing that? Why is this team, of all teams, why is Bill Belichick, the most prideful guy in the history of the universe, saying, I need him? It's just something to think about. So... Anyways, uh, pretty big development in my opinion. But we'll see. I mean, stuff can move quick. And uh, if Zach is correct, we might have a new head coach of the Green Bay Packers um, locked up pretty soon here. And, um, you know, it could be a long-term... Con- I mean, we're, we're talking about the future of the franchise. And if nothing else, we've got to, you know... An ace in the hole as far as playing the Patriots if it comes down to Patriots-Packers Super Bowl, which would be awesome, and I really hope that happens in the very near future. But look what uh, <laughs> look what Matt Patricia did to the Patriots. He had some inside information. He absolutely obliterated that team. Which, which again, goes to the idea that the, the um, coordinators really do have some understanding of the Patriots. They have some input on the Patriots. Right, I, I I brought you into this world, I can take you out, that kind of thing. If you didn't make it happen, you can't do anything to stop it. If you made it happen, though, you might be able to stop it. I don't know how good of a coach Matt Patricia is going to make, but he had a hand in that Patriots defense, and he took advantage of that. Matt Patricia is the same, or excuse me, Josh McDaniels, similar situation. So at this particular point in time, it really just comes down to those two guys in my mind. It could be someone else, but... These are pretty strong things. The 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 ties to Pat Fitzgerald. Um, I, I really think it would be. It, it and it could even be one of those situations where Josh McDaniels is number two on the list. Pat Fitzgerald is sort of the the ace in the hole, but kind of a long shot. Like we don't expect him to even answer our phone calls. But if he does, he's our guy. Otherwise, we we want Josh McDaniels locked up like today. So I don't know. I mean, it, it feels like this is kind of a long form, going to take a while to wrap this thing up, but we could have an answer to this question relatively soon. And it, it should happen soon. Listen, if, if you've got a lot of teams looking for new head coaches, you've got a lot of people 
looking to make moves. If you want to lock a guy up that you think is the guy, you better do it and do it quick because somebody else is going to snatch him up. If we're dragging our feet going, you know what, let's cast a wide net. Let's talk to 15, 20, 50, 70,000 people. McDaniels is going to get snagged in a second. He's going to go to the Jets, you know, just to, to spite the Patriots. They're going to offer him ridiculous amounts of money. You know, the, the Cleveland Browns are going to get Fitzgerald. They're going to offer him $10 million a year. And we're going to be left with scraps because we're dragging our feet trying to talk to everybody, trying to make the right decision. Firing Mike McCarthy gave us an opportunity to get a head start on this. At this point, when everybody else is is firing their head coaches, now is the time to start pulling the trigger, not start the process of hiring people, start the process of interviewing people. We need to have our finger on the trigger ready to go. So, anyways, them's my thoughts. There definitely seems to be a clear... Uh, you know, 1A and 1B at this particular point in time. But we'll see. You know, there, there's always other guys, enemy and whatnot. Still kind of like David Shaw, just based on his mentality and his attitude. But whatever, it'll be it'll be an interesting offseason. It'll be fun to kind of monitor this and track this. But anyways, I'm going to let you go. I got some, uh, some works to do with my NFL draft channel. I'm going to redo my mock draft because we got a new order. Maybe, maybe I won't. I don't know. I can't help it, man. I'm kind of a perfectionist, so I, I might redo it. But I want to crank out some videos. Anyways, oh, by the way, uh, Pack Daddy NFL. That's my YouTube. If you haven't subscribed yet, go do that. But you folks, enjoy your... What is today? Today is Monday, right? Yeah. And by the way, I, I said I wanted to do this a long time ago. I wanted to start getting some, some different music. And I'm probably not going to be able to do this too much, because a lot of times I'm just completely out of time and need to just throw in my uh, my outro music. But I really do want to kind of mix it up. It's funny, I've got such a diverse taste in music. It's like, you know what would be funny? Just throw this, just randomly, because I'm a very random person. Just throw it on the podcast when the podcast is done. So today, we're doing that. And as often as I can, I want to throw on some random music and just uh, just have some fun on the outro. But anyways, hope you all enjoy it. I'm actually not even sure at this point what I'm going to go with. i got a bunch of different ideas. All right, I know, we're doing the Isley Brothers. Because we're, we're just going to get weird with it. We're going to start to uh, to inject some culture into this. We're going to get the Isley Brothers going. But anyways, you folks, enjoy your day. I hope it's a, a wonderful Monday. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one. Bye-bye. that